This is the audio podcast with Samuel Freeman and Scott Hewitt. It's Wednesday. Hello. Hello. It's it's but it's next Wednesday. Last Wednesday was last Wednesday. Today is the tenth of August, and we're doing now show twenty three, seven days late. So. We've got some of last week's items rolled into this week's items because we just didn't get around to it last week because it was crazy, mad, busy, ICMC in Huddersfield business stuff going on, like, you know. They're good excuses. We just didn't organize it in time. Yeah. That's we, really what happened. Yeah. yeah. And then I then I did one. I, I, I kind of left. I left on, on a whim. I had, a, I had an offer to go and sit in a field for a few days, so I did that. Good work. So I've been... Been chilling out with hippies, barefoot, all that. For for the observant uh, listeners, they will notice that we we may sound slightly different. <coughs> oh yes, indeed, we're still on S- we're still on our um, Shaw microphones here on the fifty eights. Yeah. We're still using SM fifty eights, but we have uh, plugged them into uh, uh, SPL Channel One Vintage. Well, they're not vintage, but they are vintage and they're discontinued it's channel they're strips. Yep. Um, so yeah. we have a a, a ninety pound mic plugged into <laughs> a, a grand and a half worth of preamp channel strip, going into an eight nine six Mark three. Nice. And then, yeah. So if we sound different, that's why. That's why, and it's probably going to go through the usual setup that we... Oh, yeah, we're going to like compress it flat, then boost it all the way back up. Yeah. And then compress it to an MP3. Yeah. Excellent. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Uh, we we didn't intend to use the channel strips. It just happened. I, I've realized, Sam, you're going to have to take the first item because my uh, str- layout here it just isn't going to work. Oh, okay. Um, so now I need to get myself ready to do that which means okay here we are this is one that i spotted more than a week ago um why your dad's 30 year old stereo sound system sounds better than your new one and it is true they do it is it's really it's good written article it really points out why that would be and it basically basically boils down to research and development and where your money's going the kind of the cost of the unit hasn't really changed very much however what that money has been spent on in terms of development has changed over the past 30 years we have we have a visitor at we the have door. a visitor coming in oh no no way it is it's alex harker hello alex hello, harker alex. <laughs> how you doing we're, we're good we're just discussing why uh your dad's 30 year old stereo system sounds better you got anything you'd like to add um i'm not sure that my dad's 30 year old stereo system did sound better than my new one but um I, I I suspect that in a lot of cases it might do. People have these little micro systems and things, but that's not really hi-fi. What what have I missed? Maybe if they had a, a valve amp, that would that would be pretty cool. But the the article suggesting that by a, uh, you know by the the an older stereo system doesn't have a whole variety of kind of like Dolby proprietary stuff to support and a whole variety of kind of proprietary cables and digital interfaces in there, and instead it was just. Analog input and a set of and a set yeah and a set of preamps. So now you're paying the same in price, but you're actually paying for all that digital connections, most of which you're probably not using, instead of having a an amp that's actually worth that much. I think that's true, but at the same time, I think the cost of uh, manufacturing high quality uh, electronic equipment is definitely coming down. Uh, you see that in the iPod or something. People complain about them, but they sound pretty good uh, if you compare them to uh, a Walkman. Yeah, that's true. There we go. There we go. Well, let, let's not get into a big argument about it and go on to our next item. We're just at the start of the show. Just at the start of the show? Yeah. Okay, well, I, I guess I'll catch you guys later. Awesome. I'll let you get on with it. <laughs> Bye, Alex. Bye, Alex. Bye. Cool. 
So that's why your dad's 30-year-old stereo system sounds better than your new one. I think they got a good point. To be honest, I, I actually use a, a whole variety of my dad's 30-year-old amps for a whole load of things. Like, mm-hmm. it has a nice valve one, which is really fun to use. I have a couple of tape machines, um, reel-to-reel tape machines that I use for the valve amps in yeah. them. So, yeah, that's cool. I, I think my dad has a tendency to listen to these shows as well, so I say hi to him. Hi. Hi, Scott Stard. <laughs> Okay, news item story number two. Well, th- this is an old item, but we should really mention it because, you know, it turns out that Apple has more cash reserves than the US government. In actual fact, um, what I really enjoyed about this was that people started producing lists, lists of things which had more cash reserves than the US government. And it's, it turns out to be quite extensive and a complete non-item, really. But I guess for a company which was basically on its knees a decade ago, um, you know, it's a good turnaround, and obviously the U.S. government's having a whole lot of problems. Did as well, especially a week ago, though that was a bit more pressing. Well, I mean, yeah, well, they've kind of now but... partially fixed the problems. Yeah, I think it if is. you believe the believe believe the believe the what you're told to believe, it's a non-story. Let's move on. There we go. Cool. We're done there. More non-stories from the BBC. Oh, is it? I haven't, I haven't seen this one. What's this about? This is Newsbin. Yeah, um, the Newsbin case was. Talking about the regulations brought in as part of the um, Digital Economy Act at the end there, about forcing ISPs to become basically the police in terms of handling um, incoming, like kind of uh, copyright cases and stuff like that, of like kind of kind of theft. Uh, Basically, um, well, common sense has kind of prevailed in a way that it's almost impossible to do this anyway. So I think they kind of are trying less now. Well. You know what I mean? It's been acknowledged that it's going to be really hard to, really hard for everybody to do, and a better way of doing this is probably needed. At the same point, I think they've left much to the statute in place anyway. So, um, but but the shift has been moved in that it is suggested that BT, like you know, the telecom in particular here, BT, have been told they do have a responsibility to not facilitate this. So it's kind of interesting in that it's kind of gone both ways. Okay. So BT have a responsibility not to facilitate it, but at the same point, they've managed to get the acknowledgement that it's almost impossible for them to stop it, and. That's where they are right now. Let's move on. Yeah, that's. I guess that's something that's going to maybe unfold in the future, or not. Right. Another quick non-item. I'm just going to drive through. Uh, Tom's Guide had a quick, quick article, basically just saying that uh, patent lawsuits may force Spotify out of the US. Patent lawsuits are basically going to force everybody to stop doing anything. So. Um, that's it. If you want to find out more about that, I'm saying the um, EFF, Electronic Freedom Foundation, will tell you all about patents and the problems of them. Um, we're basically marching towards a mutually assured destruction scenario between the big companies, which will leave every little player incapable of getting involved. So um, this is actually a really big issue. So I wanted to mention it, but really go check out the EFF, Electronic Freedom Foundation, and they'll tell you more about patent issues and, and how they relate to software, but also how they're starting to relate to other things. So, you know. The big yep. issue at the moment is Android hardware and Microsoft going after the Android manufacturers to try and get rid of Android, basically. So, Switch would leave us with Microsoft and Apple, and that's it. Is that? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. There's also an interesting element to it as well. They're ang- arguing that Android is unfair. No, a- Android is anti-competitive because it's free, Andy- which is true. Like you could argue it's anti-competitive because you can't compete with a free price point. It completely misses the point in. It's the point, but nonetheless, you can kind of see how that's going to how that argument starts. If I'm giving away something for free, there's no way that anybody can compete with me. Well, I'm, I yeah, I'm gonna. I've censored the first few thoughts that come from Ed, so let's just move on. This is not the political rant show. We we should re- that needs resurrecting. I think we should the political rant show. Yeah, okay. we'll, we'll break that back up. Uh, this week's rant with uh, Holly Sandsmith. We'll get him ranting about these. Yeah, things. no, we, we are. Yeah, I'm saying that's going to be September. Yes, good. I think we're I look forward to that. that. 
Generic waveforms. Okay. I don't know what this is about either. Are I've been, been, I've been away. List? I've just got home. This, I put this on the list, did I? Yeah, I didn't put this one on the list. It is very cool artwork, though. I, I, <laughs> I protest. Oh, it's a, it, it's a giant, a giant collection of waveforms for use in for sampling and stuff. Okay, you, I think you used to put this on. That's you what it something is. About um, there being lots of it's four thousand three hundred waveforms. There's <laughs> a visual guide to the waveforms, which is pretty awesome. And then a, a collection. Is this free? If I play one now, will we get sued? If it bleeds into the one microphone. Just in case. It says CC by. Who's it by? It is by Adventure Kid, licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3. And the link is available at wiki.theaudiopodcast.co.uk. And we're talking about it. And I'm going to play right now. Oh, no. I'm going to press play on. I'm nervous. On. Um, Go for it. Choose one quickly. On Human Voice. Okay. It's loading. That's not very impressive. Oh, so that's far. not very impressive at all. It's go- it goes for zip. It goes oh, for zip. Oh, epic fail! I thought it would just start playing. Epic fail. Well, I'm. Is there a download all? Do I have to do one at a time? I, I think there is a download all option. I got bored. Well, I, when I, I just got bored of that. Either. You yeah. to the extent that when we then looked at it again, you said it's nothing to do with me. No, to the extent where I moved on to the next item. And then okay. But I was waiting for you to play that, and then I was going to start with the next item. Okay. Well, this next item is also an epic go. fail, though. Of Colossal, colossal quantities. Oh, yes. So, if you've been watching the news, you, well, you you may have spotted the fact that people started rioting in London. I'm not really. Let's let's just not get into it. No, there I mean, even even sitting in a field in Derbyshire, I, you I got into that. And they the kind of started rioting in other places. And this is another thing that Halley would probably like to talk about. But um, the the one angle which I thought was interesting is one of the Sony distribution centers was actually torched and burnt to the ground. And as a consequence, um, a whole load of um, small labels have actually lost a massive amount of their stock. Mm. Um, there's a, there's a, you've put a list. Of, there's a, this is a really long list of different people. Yeah. Um, uh, Piaz.com has a huge list of all of the affected all of the affected labels. And I thought to myself that I'd read them out and then I could suggest to people to contact them and maybe make a digital purchase or something like that. But then I found out how big the list is and it is absolutely huge. I think there must be maybe about 100 labels here. So nice. Now, it it's an interesting scenario for interesting scenario because a lot of them, I presume, a lot of them are insured. Actually, I'll go further than that. I'm almost certain that Sony itself will have insurance on the property because yeah. I've had a little bit of involvement in warehousing, and you kind of have to do that. But what's interesting is this is going to be a massive cash flow problem for these people because they're going to have like you know sales revenue that they were planning on coming in from the sale of this stuff isn't going to turn up. And the insurance company will try and get out of it because that's what that's how they make money. They'll they'll but try yeah, not to pay somehow. The insurance company is only going to pay the costs is only going to replace the cost of the object, not the cost of the sale, n- not the sale value of the object having been sold. Indeed. Mm. So they're essentially get the money. They they will I, over time they will get the money back for the item that's been destroyed, but they won't get the money back for the item that's been destroyed had it been sold t- tomorrow. And that's kind of going to cause big, that cause big problems. The other issue is you'll see, you might see things like um, d- delays in releases now because there won't be any supporting merchandise to go alongside them. So yeah. if they were planning on touring something, we could, you could see some delays in that sort of stuff as well. So it's quite a big issue. Um, something else though that made me smile about it all though is this is the kind of prime problem of dealing with the physical object. It's, you know... <laughs> the physical object can get burnt to the ground. Yeah, whereas the digital object, it just carries on. It's, you know I mean? You have it in another... Have another online store copy of it and you just carry on. So I think... I wonder if this will perhaps accelerate for a lot of these people. Maybe maybe accelerate a more digital digital focus, perhaps, just by these kind of risks. I don't but know. you can't... I mean, you can't sell a download at a gig. Or can you? I mean... I think you could. I don't want to talk about that anymore, but I think you could. Yeah. 
I got a little project along those lines. But <laughs> I think you could. Okay. You could, you couldn't. You, why, why would you want... Take this scenario. You go to a gig, have a great time, it's awesome. You buy the CD, then you lose the CD on the way home. Because you've had a little bit too much to drink or you're going out somewhere else. I know that scenario. Yep. I know okay. that scenario myself. If I could get it in some other way where I'd get home the next day, it'd be there at home. That would be cool. And obviously, you could do a home delivery of the physical object for the next day. Mm-hmm. Be a bit tough in logistics, kind of doing an 11 p.m. order, but possibly, possible. But, you know, I think a digital, a digital delivery mechanism is pretty cool. You could leave the gig with the music in your ears, I'm saying. That's going to be pretty awesome. I'm, yep, okay. I'm just, okay. Like, I can see that could work. Cool. Anyway, there's a big list of all the people there. Um, and as I said, I would suggest, like, if you're a fan of one of those labels and you were thinking of purchasing something, then maybe, you know, maybe you want to try and, like, you know, make that purchase or something like that and just kind of try and support them because it's probably going to be a pretty tough time for their businesses in the next yeah. couple of weeks. I mean, yeah, it's not it's not worth us reading this list out, but flicking through, there's a couple of couple of names I recognize in there on the labels. And, I mean, well, one or two of them I knew were related to Sony, but the other one I wasn't, so... Well, remember, <laughs> Sony just owns the distribution center, so... Okay, so... A lot of these, they are independent labels as well. They're, yeah. they're not necessarily kind of part of them thing there. Yeah, there are some double six records in particular. No, full pop. Yeah, there's quite a few, isn't there? So, yep. Anyway, there we go. That's <laughs> cool. Should we move on to our next item? Yep, which is a TED video. Um, Julian Treasure, his name is. And Five ways to listen better. That's what he's saying. And this is a TED, uh, uh, a TED Global talk from uh, July 2011. So it's spang up to date. Um, and it's kind of cool. It's interesting. And the opening part of it, he actually talks about the ways that we listen and how we kind of listen to stuff and. Yeah, filter out the cocktail effect and how we filter out noises really quickly. Yep. Which is kind of interesting. And then he goes on to talk about ways we could, you know, improve our ability to listen. I thought Very it was good. kind of interesting. Actually. Yep. I mean, give it give it a listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, designingsound.org has a, um, a, a, Tim, a, a Tim Nielsen special on microphone addiction. Now, the thing that intrigued me the most is if you want to see... If you just want to see a whole lot of pictures of massively oversized bazooka-esque microphones, <laughs> then this is this is the blog post for you. This is just fantastic. You can obviously get it from our show, from the show notes. Where are the show notes? The show notes, as I've said, are at wiki.theaudiopodcast.co.uk. Awesome. You can find all our previous show notes there and how to subscribe to the show and how to complain about us on there as well. That's kind of cool. But literally, this is just like, um, yeah, it's just picture after picture of big shotgun mics and... It's kind of nice. We we could probably have something more sensible to say about this, and we could kind of discuss some of his choices and things like that. But I, to be honest, I just want to go look at the microphone pictures again. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. just having a look at down at the um the comments, and I think just to see whether they're talking about the content or the pictures. A bit of both. A bit of both. A bit of both. No. Well, I'm happy to bring some immaturity to it. That's a big one. <laughs> cool. There you go. You, you, you want to add anything more to that? No. Nope. Some nice scaffold tape on the handles of some of them. Yeah, there is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I went back to have a look after that was mentioned in the comments. Yep. I'm no, I know nothing about this article. This okay. Next this next thing is a competition, which is to coincide with the Olympus LS20, a new portable sound recorder, which also has HD video in there as well. Um, and the competition has been run by Alex James Harvest Music. Festival-y thing. Harvest... Uh, I'll tell again. Alex James presents Harvest. So it's some music festival that's happening in September this year, and they're running a competition about the bands to post to Facebook your tune or video by 
the 26th of August and the top 10 with the most likes. So people will like the ones they like and the top 10 with the most likes will be judged by a panel and then the winner will get studio session and I think all three of them get prizes and you get to play at this festival and stuff like that. And I think you, I think all the winners will uh, get an LS20 also. So, yeah, I think the real, I mean, the real story, that's that's a competition which people can enter um, through Facebook or the, also the fact that the LS20 has been released is a new, it's a new thing. I haven't heard of it before. So Olympus is not someone I would associate with sound recording usually, but maybe with cameras. So... Yeah, well, I guess they like they have done some other recorders, I believe. Possibly, possibly I can't. I'm, they used to do cameras. I think they kind of were withdrawing from the camera world a little bit, but not entirely. Oh, they have those little pens, aren't they? Those pen cameras are really cool. Mm. Uh, that's, that's pretty awesome stuff there. Um, I'm just looking here to see if um, same. Basically, I, I think there's maybe two. T- well, one issue I would point out is that if you upload any kind of content to Facebook, you grant them rights of use of that content. To Facebook. To Facebook, yeah. The yeah, this is this competition doesn't try and claim the only thing they claim is your name and country so they can announce who's won. Yeah, and they are, they also require you for promotional activity that would include but not limited to filming of the performance at the festival, the making of a promotional video utilizing the Olympus L S twenty at no cost to BWRL and a meet and greet session in photography. So I, I do kinda wonder like if you win, you've got to pay to go there. Uh, well, if you win, do you have to make a video, a promotional video about it? Saying this. Hey, you know what? It's a competition where you can win something, but if you win something, you might end up having to do something else. Yeah. In order to get the thing you've won, you have to might have to go out your way, but I'm sure that... That's an area. It's just a competition, basically. That's all it is. What's this recorder like? Did you... Uh, well, ask 20 amp? One thing that's... If you oh, this is one where it does video. Oh, I see. I'm always nervous about these things. Yeah, because the, z- the Zoom one, there's that Zoom one does HD video and sound. but this And the sound isn't anywhere near as good as the sound on the dedicated sound ones is. And the video isn't anywhere near as good as uh, video devices. But it is one unit, you know? Uh, I do, I do. <laughs> these one units, they don't, it doesn't, they're not important for me. I don't no. feel them as a... The hey, maybe it's great though. I'm saying it, uh, 96K, 24-bit PCM. So, you know, stereo mic. It... it there's a WAV and MP3, so so you can record straight to MP3, which can, is useful at times. Yeah, no, it, it can be. Oh. I, I think people understand the limitations of these devices, oh. don't they? I think the thing that is really cool about them is there. There's a lack of midway device. I always think because mm. if you want a really high, you get these integrated devices, but then if you want to move up to the next level of having a proper, you know, a proper microphone input and the portable recorder, then there tends to be a real gap there. I always think it's, you end up at thousands of pounds pretty quick, don't you? Kind of. You do. Well, I see if we'd have thought about the older stories, we could have flipped these around. And oh, did, we put, did I actually, maybe I didn't put it in in the end. There was a, oh, I think I took it out because it was too old. Talking about oh. the Alessis IO dock thing. Oh, yep. Which is a kind of, it's just too old. It's too late. Too late to put that in. Maybe we said that, but it might not even make it into the wiki. All right, back to the LS20. For one last thing, is okay. design feature that is different to all the other ones is okay. that the camera is on the end, so that you could actually lay this thing flat and have the camera pointing forwards. Whereas all the other ones, you have to have it upright because the camera's on the back, kind of like a flip type camera, like or how your our mobile phone camera is on the back of the unit. Whereas here, it's on the 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 nose of it. As in, so. Okay. So if you hold it, if you're holding the screen up to your face, then the camera's pointing up at the sky. So you have to kind of like look down on the screen to get the camera pointing forwards. Yeah, that's but fair. it does mean that you can stably put it down on a table or something. I guess that's kind of a bit more useful. Maybe maybe we're kind of misunderstanding. 
maybe this is actually a lot more thought out and clever than it thinks because with that kind of functionality maybe this is make a music video with yourself with yeah. the device you just kind of point it there and people play and that's nothing done that, can be, that, that could be cool I don't, they don't make flip anymore do they but they, all the ones they did make I think none of them went into the I think they were all recording at mono still and they had everything yeah. they went into the stereo sound so so that's cool yeah. uh, talking about recording sound um, we got a, a story of some more Neumann in Neumann products um, in particular here it's a set of two mics um, and th- this is part of the conversion to digital for the actual signal transferal now as well so the Neumann uh, KMS 104 and 105s and you can now get them with the D designation so they are the 104 and 105 units but they actually now have digital converters inside them so they're going from going from the capsule directly to digital and so they're spitting out AES EBU on the back yeah over an XLR connection so it looks like a normal microphone connection and you use a normal XLR cable but if you plug it into your normal microphone preamp you'll have some excitement woo yeah but I, I can kind of see why this is here and to be honest I've been surprised that it's taken so long for this for this digital in the mic technology to make it to, to make it all the way through because it does handle a whole lot of problems like with a digital signal you no longer have noise you know the noise issues are pretty much relegated yep You've, because it's only traveling an inch before it's yeah. and the digital digitized. signal is you know you can error check you can error check the digital signal in transit and then it's either good or bad and you know what I mean, I I wonder if we're seeing. I'm saying Azibu is obviously a balanced cable, still balanced physical cable. But I wonder if we're starting to see, you know, the drop away to the unbalanced cable and even things like with Cat five connectivity. So obviously the Cat five connector is a terrible choice because it doesn't it isn't properly locking. Mm-hmm. So that would be problematic. Um, Azibu over XLR is a in a mixed world is going to be problematic. But if everybody was to shift to Azibu over XLR and that was it, your XLR was now. Well, these are quite high end mics. I mean, the only place I've seen. The only place I've seen um, patch bays that are running ASCBU in and out is places that can afford this type of microphone. Yeah, well, that's true, I guess. So, that's cool. No, but I guess what I'm saying is that I think I, I'm actually really interested in this kind of digital transit technology. I think it solves a whole load of problems, and you can multiplex down digital cables really easily, and that gets you all your tran- transit mm-hmm. that you ever need. And I think that's really great. But I, I think there is a missing... I, I kind of say this, I don't really mean it, but I think there's a missing connector around. Yeah. We should say, actually, these microphones do spit out SPDIF as well. Yeah, which is, so you can you can select uh, between the two. In, well, I think that's wider. I think it's, well, at the lower level, you get more, you get more devices with SPDIF. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Hmm. That's cool. Another thing you can do, though, is um, they they actually have their own uh, digital microphone inter- interface. It's a DMI2 which has been released alongside here. And basically what you get with this is the opportunity to go, is to bring the Azibu into the box and then take it out of the box. And you can do some kind of treatments treatments on the box or manage the microphones actually themselves as well. So it is possible to kind of turn on the live lights and the on lights okay. on the mics and stuff like that to control them, to control them in that kind of setting as well if you want to. Um, I... I'd, in my mind, I was thinking, oh, this probably does a lot more, this interface box. But then when I think about it, you get Azibu in, you send Azibu out. and But it's it's allowing you the master clock connection with that, yeah. I think. So that's going to give you yeah. a, a probably more solid connection in there. I think that's kind of cool technology. I'd really like to play with one, actually. <laughs> I would. I'd, I'd really, really like to have a play with one and just have, have a listen and see, see how it goes. And I, I think this is... I, I think in 10 years' time, we'll look back on the uh, the antiquity of the analog microphone out with you know with, with a warmness i'm sure some people will protest heavily about it i th- i think it'd be around for a long time i think it's gonna stay i do you do yeah. I, I don't 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm I am absolutely certain though that you will get your Azibu in input to a valve amp preamp. <laughs> a valve preamp Azibu out on the outside of it. You'll get that kind of product will exist. You know, that's a add analog warmth to your purely digital signal. Yeah. And and it uh, always has to be hardware. There's always gonna be somebody buy that hardware box. Okay, not I'm quite sorry. Sure. I, you're, you're right. I'm not quite sure what to say to that, but uh, you, you are right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow. uh, GB Touch 3 for GarageBand. You know what this is? This is our iOS story. It is, th- which is why iOS we dropped story. the other one. Um, this Because <laughs> this one's more current. And Cool. Yep, for version approximately three. $10, you can get version 3 of the Harmony Systems GB Touch, which is for GarageBand. It's a, well, it's just, it's a touch interface that lets you access bits. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Um, yeah. Should we move on then? That's that. It, it exists. It, it has exists. new features. It's there. Um, yeah, nine ninety nine ninety nine dollars <laughs> available from the App Store. No, oh, from iTunes in the App Store, I guess. Yeah, I don't think I've got anything else to really say there. Oh, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's a. Uh, oh, it's Lion compatible. Let's carry on. <laughs> okay, next one here. A couple of uh, new uh, Sunday dance music has some new objects for Max for Life. The NWDL bots. Kind of cool. These are generative bots for making music for generative modules for use in Ableton Live. That's cool. If you have Max for Live as well as it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is pretty cool. So if you like to make generative music, you can make generative music. Um, that's kind of sweet. Something I meant to look, there is a terms of use and I didn't really read it. So. Oh, I think it's terms of use are like a little. Um, Oh, there you go. Okay. There's nothing to see there. Okay. There you go. I, I noticed there was a section of terms for use, and I'd never read it, and I thought, you know what? I should maybe just look at that, just in case there's, like, something, you know, You can really use these, but not release the music made of them or something. Dark. Yeah, it's, it's something, something, something ridiculous like this. You can use these, but if you use these, you have to pay me 50% of the royalties of all of your all of your composition output ever, or something like that. So <laughs> I, just, I just thought we'd check. That doesn't seem to be the case. So that's... That's much better. But that's uh, sundaydance.co.uk. Obviously, the link will be up there as always. And that's the NWDL bots. All Pronounced right. noodle bots. There we go. That's <laughs> it. Why, why would you... Oh, it, it really winds me up that when like you want something to be pronounced in this way, noodle bots, and then you have a random word. And I can't imagine that if I go looking for noodle bots generative music, I'm going to find a. And they've not. They've, they've only saved themselves perhaps one character in this. Yeah. So it's... Noodle, but maybe I know that I've seen they want to pronounce noodle bots. I can see that it makes sense that I might pronounce what they've got as noodle bots, but I, w- I wouldn't look at what they had and think let's pronounce this as noodle. But bots. maybe the NWDL stands for something else as well. Oh yeah, it could be. Maybe clever. actually, we're just, we're just not aware of that because they've not made us aware of that. You know, yeah. it is cool though. I think the I think <laughs> the, the the code the code is cool, and what it's going to do is cool, and I think it's going to be really useful. So you should definitely go check it out if you're in the kind of uh, in the live Max sort of world. That'd be cool. Cool. Excellent. Have we made it to the plunder? It looks that way. Yeah, we have. Okay, so we have uh, four items of plunder. Rawr. Rawr. And all that, as they say. Uh, first of all is um, from the audio geek sign, we have a bass guitar microphone shootout. So, <laughs> yeah. So um, if, if you don't want to put a whole load of mics in front of a bass guitar cab and see what happens, somebody else has done it for you. Um, well, they used the 57. Yeah, of course, 57 beater. Yeah, of course, I guess. Um uh, EV six three six three five A. 
And what else is in there? Do I think? Yeah. Oh, the Audio Technica. Uh, oh, the Audio Technica 440 and an Aphex 2010. There we go. So that's the various bits I tried. Yeah. I guess it's how you how you look for what kind of thing you want and how you want it sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm a, I, I think as most people know, I tend to do... I'm more of a live sound with like bands like that. I'm much more of a live sound person than studio stuff. I just don't tend to do studio stuff with them. So I just whack a 57 in front of the cab and be done for it. <laughs> I find that most bass players, unless you're in a big venue, most bass players are so loud already that they don't really need very much front of house reinforcement. Yeah. And, and if, the front of house rig very rarely has the power behind it anyway. So I'm not sure what these say, but I think if, if you are in a situation in the studio and you're recording from a bass amp then turning it up really loud and having the microphone a bit further away than you might think is is a good way to go with that yeah that can be nice actually oh. and also so I've taken a look around the back because some bass some bass a lot of bass amps should be completely sealed but every now and again you'll get like an open ported one and it can be interesting mm. the open port can be quite a nice kind of nice kind of location you know if you want that really kind of deep bottom end it's it tends to be coming out of there so there you go there you go. There are a couple of random little tips from us. Speaking of deep bottom end, we're on to my favourite instrument, the monotron. <laughs> but it's not actually a monotron, it's a Korg... Um, it's a it's soft a, synth emulation. A, yep, a homebrew for the DS. Nice. And we've, um, we've got a link up to the to the YouTube video of this. And yeah, it, it exists. That's, you can download it from the person who's made it. And and when you when you open the page, it stop playing at you. It will because it's a YouTube video. Yeah. I guess you can probably actually edit the URL to not do that. You can probably put. Well, we haven't. So when you press this link on the on the show notes at wiki dot the audio podcast. Yeah, okay. Okay. Not you. It'll start up. Yeah. Like a There's a new DS out, out this week, isn't there? The 3D DS is out this week. Is that out this week? Yeah, I think so. Well, that's just an aside. I, I and Korg, know. I mean, this is an this is a non-official thing, but Korg do have the DS. They have the um the DS10, which is a um yeah, which I didn't know about, but um Lee Freeman lent that to me. Well, not to me, to my son. He and he's been playing with that, which oh, has very cool. A bunch as like chaos. The touchpad can be used as like a chaos yeah. pad or as a keyboard. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Isn't it? And he's got a couple of synth sequences in there and. Yeah, it's like a max patch. Oh, and I I haven't got the link. Yet. I'm going to put the link on the wiki to um the the Mockatron max patch I built one night. Um, yeah, from, yeah, which Mockatron. Yeah, it, so that was taking the the, the awesome. schematic from the Korg DS web page and then building a max patch on top of that. So the patch cores go all in crazy ways, but it meant that the dials were in the right place. Awesome. Yeah, and it sounds really bad, but if you overload the filter, then it sounds great. Of course. Everything sounds good when you overload filters. <laughs> All right, moving on to some more, um, some more kind of truly helpful things. We we try to avoid these kind of helpful things. So I know the kind of the base, the base might shoot out for me was in that category of helpful things. We're moving on to um, um, le- learning, you know, everyday snare and kick tweaks for microphone technique um, from electronic musician. It's a great set of tutorials where they're just talking about how to get like more pop, more pop, more crack from your, from your bass and your snare. Um. Yeah, T- to be honest, it's the kind of thing where if you've got access to a, like a recording of like the isolated kits, then you know what I mean. If you just start, this is how I did it. You go get yourself a multi-track recording of a drum kit, reasonably well done. Get it clean, and then just start kind of you know playing with compression, playing with mm-hmm. EQ, and you can. You know, it's where it's where your ears are going to get. And to be honest, that approach for me suge- means that you're going to get a much more kind of unique, distinctive sound, and eventually, like that's what people are going to want to work with. They're going to be like. Oh, that sound was awesome. I want that. Whereas if you're if you're going to like use a set of kind of like oh let's always do this, let's always do this, let's always do this, then 
you're probably just going to become part of a group of people with a very similar sound and but at the same point it's always useful to start these things to, as a kind of idea very much but these days with the access with, if you're working in a digital environment then you're not fixed to one setting you know you don't set up you don't have to just set up your eq and your compression and then that's it for the duration of the track yeah for different sections of you can have different sounds going on very easily you know you can have dramatic changes in settings automated just to come in yeah, at a moment no, like at, in an instant and you can have all that you can edit that all offline I remember mixing the same drum tracks from ADA just on an, an analog studio I'd go in there and I'd mixed it probably yeah. 20 times even after doing the final mix down of the whole tune I would just went back just to the drum kit just to try out different things but it was always a case of you know it sounds right in this bit but then he changes his style on this bit and you have to like I've got yeah, that's true. 10 things to try and turn within one second and it's not possible but with digital automation it is yeah that's true um, a, a cool thing as well at the bottom of the article it talks about the fact that you should really remember that the microphone choice and placement is actually the f the two primary steps and those steps are very hard to well it's not that they're hard to fix in post but if you if you get the recording down listen to it and think oh that is nothing like what i want then that's a bad that's a bad starting place mm -hmm. unless you were really going to go for something kind, kind of wacky in terms of final product final sound and stuff cool um what else have we got left to go one um, last um video with a sign from vimeo yeah. and this is real scenes detroit yeah and uh, detroit talking about the uh, you know why techno became techno there you go. Cool. It's a cool little documentary. It's worth checking out. So, um, it's almost 20 minutes long, but it's definitely worth a listen at some point. I've added it to my watch later list. Nice stuff. I've already enjoyed it. It was cool. <laughs> so I can recommend it for certain. Hey, I've just spotted a new button on Vimeo. Watch in couch mode. What's that? I don't know. I've never pressed that button. Oh, yeah, that is a new button. You can't press that button now, Sam, because we're no, right at the end of the show. I'm not on a couch. Well, precisely. <laughs> don't you dare press that button. You're on a chair. I don't know what would happen. Okay, well, you know what? That's just made it to the end of the show. We're like, oh, 34-ish minutes. That's not bad, considering not bad we did a week and a half of stuff. Yeah, we've done pretty well there. That's cool. Are we going to be here next week? Yes. We are. We're on next week. Okay, yep. then. We're going to be here next week. We're going to try and be much more honest, because last week we didn't make it, and to be honest, we should never even have tried. No, we but did try. We did try, and it didn't work out, but to be honest, it was never going. It probably was never going to work with it. So. so next week's fine, but the week after, I think, I think I'm going. I'm not going to be able to do it unless we did it remotely. Well, let's decide next so, week. So, okay, we'll decide then because okay. I don't know what I'm doing the week after. So, next okay. week's good for me, but I don't know the week after. Okay, then. cool. Well, with that, I'm Scott Hugh. It's been a pleasure. I'm Samuel Freeman. Bye. Bye. <laughs>